Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to episode 6 of Flix Watcher Podcast. I'm Kobe. And I'm Helen. So in this episode, we are talking about Beasts of No Nation, the Netflix original featuring Idris Elba. And on the show, we have Ben and John from Top Film Tip and from Future Music. And we look forward to playing the show to you. Come find us on Twitter, tweet to us, agree with us, disagree. We're at FlixWatcherPod. The website FlixWatcher.tv has full listings of each episode and subscribe and reviewers on iTunes. All films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording and please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend. Welcome to this edition of FlixWatcher and today we are joined by Ben and John. Um, if you'd like to introduce yourselves. Hi, Ben. Hi, Helen. Hi, Kobe. Um, Hi. I'm Ben. Um, I run at Top Film Tip on Twitter, where uh, I put out kind of snappy, short little synopsis of the best films on TV each day. Um, so, for instance, Beasts of No Nation, as we'll be discussing today, would be Orphaned African Boy is Swallowed into the Quagmire of Idris Elba's Monstrous Child Army in Crushing Spellbinder Beasts of No Nation. It's a pretty good description for mm. 140 characters. Yeah, well done. It's very concise. Mm. And, and who are you? Uh, so, John Lunny here. Um, big film fan. Uh, yeah, great to be involved in the, the show. Um, and I, uh, I run a fortnightly uh, show on Future Music FM, so more the music side than the film side. But uh, recent episodes included a uh, sci-fi soundtrack special, for example. Oh, lovely. Mm. I want to check that out now. <laughs> We are here today to uh, discuss Beasts of No ne- Nation, the Netflix original film. Um, it's your choice, Ben. So just want to give us a, uh, a brief synopsis of the film, please. So this uh, is a, a pretty hard-hitting film. Um, it follows the story of a, a young African boy. He's probably about 12 or 13 years old. Um, he has a, a happy, normal sort of life for a, a child in his in a war-torn country well he's surrounded by war-torn area and it's never really affected him before so Mm. um we'll come we'll come to that point a bit later on how that emotes with the audience but he certainly he he has a nice happy sort of childhood he plays he has fun and one day the war comes to him and um, he suffers a pretty significant series of tragedies in a very short period and ends up being uh forcibly enlisted into a child army helmed by Idris Elba, yeah, Big Driss, <laughs> um, who really does play against type, and, and um, he's a very brave role 
Uh, or for Idris. For Idris, certainly we'll come to that, I'm sure. Um, and it, it follows his story uh, from start to finish and it really doesn't pull any punches. Is that fair to say, John? I think so, yeah. Um, it's it's uh, a tough watch, I think. Uh, but uh, yeah, really, really rewarding. I think it's probably one of the most interesting films I've watched in, in recent times. Well, it's, yeah, there's a lot of violence in it. I think I've been used to a lot of more cartoon violence, even though, I mean, looking back at stuff that Quentin Tarantino does with Kill Bill, for example, there's a lot of blood going on there, but it's all in the name of, it's all done with a kind of wry smile on your face, but this is horrible. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. There's people getting shot. There's no kind of, there's no kind of comeback from it at all. There's no, they just drop, they just drop dead. They just drop straight on the floor and it's real and, you can, and it's visceral and it's, there's, Oh, it's horrible. Sinew everywhere. One of the um, points uh, that often gets levelled at Tarantino's films is how his films are so horrendously violent. But when you actually compare them to other films, often aimed at a younger audience, Home Alone's a good example, they sanitise it and make it seem quite normal. You watch a Bond film, someone gets shot, they drop dead, there's no blood. Mm. Um, you watch something like this, you watch something like Tarantino, and even in Tarantino's sort of fantastic environment that he creates and certainly in films like this you really see the aftermath and the the weight of the violence and i think that's what that's what leaves the shock in, in the experience is seeing you know what what real violence is like and it isn't a horror film it isn't a fantasy it is just utterly horrendous yeah i, I think part also when we all watched it or we sort of had a little chat about it before just how shocked we were sort of on, on many levels that obviously with the violence as well but also I think how quickly someone's child is taken away as well mm. so it's not just the that kind of violence but the fact that someone's taken so quickly from being so innocent and having a childhood which is played out really beautifully in one of the, the opening start, scenes yeah um so quickly turned into a very troubled young person in in you know it's not really given a time scale, but you know, it's a matter of weeks that he's turned into basically a, a young killer, forced into it, and all his child has completely disappeared, just just like that. And um, I'd agree entirely, Helen. The first thing about this film that that drew me in um, so strongly was that you know, I'm I'm a I'm a middle class white guy in my thirties who lives in London. Um, I immediately felt a, a kinship and an affection for this this young boy. It could be anyone. I just, do. Uh, that's correct yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he whilst he is you know an, an african boy in an unnamed country that's definitely not sierra leone um he he could be anyone he could be your little brother mm. he could have been you um he could be your child the the what happens to him um becomes very tangible because it's very easy to put yourself in his place or someone you know in his place i think um one thing I thought is able to talk about, you know, the violence and you kind of certain scenes stick with you quite strongly, but related to that in a way is, is how the story draws you in and it's beautifully shot and uh, all the characters are quite relatable and quite human. And even the, you know, the, the, you know, it just Elba's character, everything else, they're all quite rounded characters with their own human emotions and stories, everything else. So even amidst all the violence, everything's going on, you, you get drawn into the characters quite quickly. I think, and you, you, you know, you, 
you care about some of them much more than, than others, perhaps, in terms of what happens to them, in terms of you know, whether or not it's fair or not. But it, it's... I mean, right at the start, I think what you're talking about, how it draws you in and how quickly that flips. Because at the start, you see Agu playing with his friends. Imagination TV. Imagination TV and trying Which to get... One, scam- of, one of my favourite scenes I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah. It's brilliant. And they're, they're, so just carrying around this empty, t- empty, empty like 80s TV shell and trying to play a theatre kind of scene for various different people trying to get them to extract money from them, money and food. You just see the mates hanging around and having a nap with each other. And you see Ogu playing with his older brother. He's like pissing on his older brother whilst he's having a shower. That's hilarious. And they just have all that kind of setting the family scene, which is all really cool. And then suddenly one day, the day, you know, the day before they hear the army is going to come in and everything's going to go tits up, basically. Within the space of five minutes, he's gone from a very happy kind of situation even though there's undertones of war going on because they're surrounded by soldiers who are kind of protecting them in some way to suddenly all the people I know the male people I know are in a lineup with guns pointed at them and Agu's the only one to come out and that's a that's a horrible switch and change in events and perhaps as Helen mentioned earlier the the most hard-hitting part of that is he, he doesn't have the kind of emotional maturity to deal with the rug of his entire life being pulled out from under him well I mean he's too young to and fully comprehend what's happened. I mean, it, it would be it would be immensely traumatic for anybody, but at that age, all the certainty, everything he's ever known is completely destroyed in a way it was incomprehensible to him. One, one thing that was interesting for me was uh, I actually watched Blood Diamond again fairly recently. Okay, I've never seen that. And it's because there's a there's a very strong a story in that where yeah. it's, it's a child soldier. soldier. It's, it's so, similar subject matter to some extent, but it, you know, they're clearly the focus on this is, is the, the child and what happens you know, throughout. That's, that's the story. Whereas in Blood Diamond, very much follows the sort of mix of characters, but it's also how this film, I think, challenges some of the stereotypes much more. Um, to some extent, it's not as simple as boy snatched by evil soldiers and turned into a killer, because in fact, it's the it's the government forces that I think kill his father. Mm. You know, they think they accuse him of being rebels and everything else, and so he runs away and then finds these these guys. So it's not a clear cut story that you know. In, I think in Blood Diamond, for example, you know, the rebels come along and they steal their children. And turn them whereas, into the soldiers. Whereas this, in fact, the, he runs away, and the, you know the government is responsible for killing his father. So it's a slightly more challenging kind of conversation. It's like, wait, you're becoming radicalized, and Idris Elba's character um, isn't, in, you know, a wholly evil person per se. He does some terrible things, and, mm-hmm. and, and as you say, you know, it's not the his normal kind of role he plays. Uh, but at the same time, there's even times you feel sorry for him because he's not necessarily as big a guy as he thought he was and there's a pecking order for him too and he's, he's sort of doing the best he can and, he, and to some extent he does feel compassion for the people under his care even though he's making them do terrible things and it's, 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 it's well, it draws you in. It's really interesting. They're kind of the, you know, who's good, who's bad? Is the other just a product of the environment? Um, all in a really, really beautifully shot film, I think, which, which makes it a tough watch but makes it so rewarding to, to watch. Well, it's a great looking film, isn't it? And something that is, I mean, let's talk about that now because this is a, this is a made for Netflix film, but there was a cinematic release as a short cinematic release to make it eligible for award seasons. Do you think you would, would you like to see this on the, on a cinema? Or was it, was it good enough for you watching it, this magnificent kind of Vista on, Vista with tainted with blood <laughs> on the, on a smaller screen? I'm certainly pleased that I watched it. Um, in, in, in any medium, although it would have been um, very interesting to watch it on a big screen, I it's my understanding that it did they did have an agreement with various distributors. I think the four largest distributors in the U.S. But when they realised that Netflix were going to release it virtually simultaneously, mm. and they weren't going to have a 
what is generally a an industry standard sort of monopoly for a period of months on the film. I think three of the four pulled out last minute, and so it only had a very small cinematic release um, for that reason, which obviously dented the how much it, it took at the, office, the box office and how many people saw it on the cinema. Um, the other thing to note is it is it's not just a Netflix original film, it's the first Netflix original film. Okay. So it's the first one that they they really invested in um, in doing an original film content. And I think, you know, I think that probably surprised everyone with the quality because up to that point, I guess people just thought made for TV film. And then they went from there to Adam Sandler. Yeah, I'm beginning to question the uh, the Attentic. quality of ne Netflix originals <laughs> after this. Well, maybe, maybe someone sort of thought, I've, well, I've done, I've done Beast of No Nation, I may as well just retire now because it's 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 like it's like the sort of the you know, you know, Saving Private Ryan type uh, intensity at times mm. and with you know very different storyline. I can imagine if it was on a cinema, you'd probably be even more shell shocked. Would have been interesting to see it at the cinema. I remember going to see uh, Hotel Rwanda at the cinema when that came out, and uh, sort of being in a cinema with lots of very white middle-class people who were oh my god this is awful this is such a terrible thing and it was kind of a bit like this happened and you know we all kind of sat there and we watched it on the news and we all knew it was happening and you know you're kind of sitting there now you're getting upset because it's kind of a film version and it would have been kind of interesting to sort of observe different people's reactions because obviously this is a, a fictional film and yeah. it's based on a novel um, but it's a non-specific West African country but from what we know from what we have seen that is true that what's portrayed there did happen is happening we're kind of in this position where we're sort of watching it but we're talking about it and it is terrible but it's life and it's life for a lot of people it is yeah and it's kind of it is very fine line because we're obviously watching this film which we appreciate extremely highly for its technical things, for how well it portrays its characters and how very real it is. Um, but also it is kind of a form of entertainment as well. So you do have that kind of strange conflict while you're watching it. It's a very uncomfortable thing to sort of be doing with your kind of Sunday afternoon off. The last film I saw at the cinema that kind of took a proper big hit at me was, um, was 12 Years a Slave. Wow. And that was... At the end, though, just people just like just couldn't move. At the, at the end of the film, so I hadn't seen things like Saving Private Ryan and cinema. I saw them on TV afterwards, so it'd be interesting to see how that would compare to some like Twelve Years a Slave on, on a on a big screen. I think that's an interesting parallel. Uh, I think both films are strikingly beautiful and strikingly vicious. And yeah, exactly. Um, and again, the, as you say, Helen, the, the technical work in this film is, is astonishingly well made. I think they did it in thirty-five days. They used people who weren't actors they used people who had been child soldiers indeed i think the um the aptly named a tripod <laughs> <laughs> who goes into battle naked uh, insisted on doing so because that's what he did uh, when he was a child soldier so the, the the people portraying the things that happen in these films you know lived through them themselves to one extent or another um back to the original point was i happy watching it on a small screen it reminded me a lot of um, one of my other favourite films, um, Apocalypse Now. And I think, for me, one of the, the best ways to watch Apocalypse Now is late at night on a really hot summer's night. And you <laughs> what, feel so the you, sweltering so heat. So you feel like you're in Vietnam. <clears throat> and and it, it's engaging it's and it pulls fan. you in. <laughs> um, and, and it did feel like that, watching it late at night on a hot evening. And, and it's immersive. And I think that it is a it's a film that has a, a, a very cinematic feel to it and would obviously benefit from being seen on a big screen. But at the same time, I think it 
somehow makes it more affecting and more personal to watch it in your lounge. One of the things I want to talk about is, well, is Idris Elba, of course. He's the main kind of character here, but we can't take anything away from Agu and I guess his best mate in this film, Stryker, who take us around this world. Agu from the outside coming into it and Stryker, who's quite, it's quite a nice character to us that he just didn't, he doesn't speak at all during the film. He's seen, he's seen all these atrocities and was it ever explained why he didn't speak or? I just assumed he'd just been so traumatized. He wasn't able to. He wasn't able to communicate. Yeah. But Idris Elba, how, what do you think of him in this role? He's typically a nice guy, more lighthearted from string, even, I mean, string a bell through to. Yeah. He usually plays um, a, a good guy. Um, what's the TV series? Luther. 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 Yeah. Um, it's a brave role to take. Um, not many actors uh, would choose a role where they portray a paedophile, a war criminal, um, someone who is just reprehensible, but at the same time tries to bring some measure of relatability to it. And um, I think they say uh, the, the best bad guys think they're the good guys. And mm. in this case, Idris Elba's character certainly thinks he's fighting a good fight, um, even if he isn't. Yeah, I think, you know, as you say, this, the, the, the point is obviously with, you know, given the plot away, the point where, in fact, yes, he, he you know, ends up molesting the, the main character and stuff, you know, which is done, when it, when that, it, it makes that turn, you think, oh, that's that's even worse. It, ridiculous, yeah. you've, seen some, you've seen some terrible things and, and you think, actually, you know, well, at least he's kind of looking out for the kids and then actually then he realizes he's abusing them. But still, it's just, it's, it's, that's under this kind of special relationship. It's really a horrible kind of dynamic that, that interplays and yet still sees these people as this kind of flock that he's looking after and and then you know when he goes and meets the high command and stuff like that he's he's no longer this kind of top dog no. you know the biggest boy in school kind of thing he's actually maybe not as well educated as some of the other you know the government the, the rebel government kind of people and uh, he feels a bit you know sidelined and stuff like that and actually then you kind of feel sorry for him a bit there and he's a bit shows some vulnerability for example and then you know later on kind of what happens to him and that, that may well actually be the the thing that precipitates his his fall from from power over his flock, in that they they see that he's perhaps not as strong and not as big a man as he's made them made himself out to be. I think it's to certainly take a, a turn for the worse after that for for everyone. I think, but it's an amazing performance. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really really strong performance from him. Kind of little for me it was um, Forrest Whitaker, of course, as Idi Amin in The Last King of Scotland, mm, which true. he won an Oscar for, I believe, didn't he? I don't know, actually. So, yeah, it's kind of a similar sort of performance there, but sort of in a comparison, Idris Elba is, is much better than that in that he does make someone who could easily have become kind of a caricature of a kind of warlord into someone who is ultimately human. So it's such a performance, and hopefully he will kind of be remembered for this performance mm. and be given a lot more scope in future roles because obviously he's got the uh, he's got a, he's got a big there. range, yeah. And this is this is one of the key proponents behind the Oscar so white kind of campaign was that Idris Elba wasn't nominated for for this role. I mean, what are your thoughts on that generally? The a generally Oscar so white, and do you think he could, he should have been a nominee for for the Oscars this this year in twenty sixteen? I'm not sure if there are any specific rules for applying to be nominated for the Oscars if the film has to have a certain release or a certain box office. Well, because you, when you're talking about its release into the cinemas, I thought just to be awards eligible, they had to be shown somewhere in America for two days or something arbitrary like that to then be eligible for awards nomination. So that's what I thought the original reason for them 
having a, a very short release for us, but then you've highlighted otherwise. But still, that, that, that gives them some kind of eligibility. But the, the kind of fact still stands that they they weren't nominated. It's been out for a year now. I, I checked before, so it's it's been available on Netflix for a year. So its eligibility may have fallen outside for this year. But it's an interesting kind of point. Obviously, there was a lot of talk last year. The lack of diversity across the board really is a problem for the Oscars and not something that can probably be resolved with throwing in a few nominations here and there is a kind of a deeper seated thing within sort of the academy and how it sort of uh, rewards filmmakers and those in the profession i think it it possibly goes a little bit deeper that it's not it it may well be that people aren't considering these roles for nominations but and also i think it probably reflects that there aren't as many roles for non-white actors how many films how many american films can you think of that had an asian actor well, this, in the lead role this is one comment i was saying to my friends is that black actors tend to get a better slice of the pie than southeast asian and or indian or people of indian origin and stuff like that south even even latin latin based actors um so i think there's a whole kind of there is a there's a fair few things a lot of the um angle was based out things like Idris Elba should have been nominated. As a result of this year's kind of Oscar so white hashtag that was going around, they've pulled in a lot of new people into the Oscar voting pool, including people who, like Chappie played um, Finn in Star Wars, for example. And so younger people, more diversity from sex point of view, more kind of racial diversity in a bid to kind of assuage that there's accusations of uh, upper middle class white men in America who are rich being the only people who can vote for, for the Oscars. Do you think that will help solve these these concerns or rectify the positioning, or is it something that needs to be rectified? It certainly needs um, it certainly needs attention. I think it sounds like it's a good step. I think the next good step would be if there were more interesting roles for people of all of diversities, all the, of all backgrounds, yeah. um, not just somebody's. Uh, they have the the rab, you know, Russian Arab bad guy, um, <laughs> or the the criminal, or the somebody's friend, or the sidekick. It would be nice to have other actors. But you know, um, what we're phase three of marvel yeah the first time you know captain america civil wars the first black superhero well what about war, war machine he said superhero yeah <laughs> is Rhodes is Rhodes not is, is, is he not a he's, he's a sidekick oh he's, no. <laughs> okay oh, so that's a, that's a whole other podcast are you, gonna, are you gonna go and see a film about war machine or are you gonna go and see a film about black panther oh i'll see well i'll see a film about black panther but i i don't know war machine's always been a weird one for me because he's got Iron Man's first suit, hasn't he? So he's maybe not as good, but he's still better than most human beings at being a superhero. So I don't understand why he's not. He's, he's, a, gov- he's a government man who, who talks. <laughs> he's a government man who tells uh, his password to um, Tony Stark in front of terrorists. So therefore, he shouldn't be. No, he's, an he's, ju- he's just a guy with a suit. He's um, not. He doesn't invent. He doesn't do anything useful. He he just you know causes emotional stress to. <laughs> to his friends <laughs> getting injured this, um, this is spoilers that, for a whole other film <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna bring it right back round to uh, B so, so interestingly <laughs> <laughs> smooth so yeah. 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 Um, it was directed by um, the director of the True Detective yeah. which was also yeah. I, was, I was surprised yeah. yeah you were surprised in retrospect when I, I put the two things together in my mind it made a lot of sense but I hadn't realised and that first series of True Detective was uh, was astonishing and I think he's obviously you know he obviously has a very distinct style 
um, he, he hits the emotional punch, but he doesn't um, lose any of the technical acumen. Did it, was it him that did the, that film Sin Nombre? The, um, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, which is also an ace film that not enough people, I think, saw. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, puts his hand up. Yeah. I don't think well, no worries. I don't think uh, on the list. Yeah, I've seen it. It was great. Uh, <laughs> so it shows he's, he's got some chops and he's got some heavyweight edge to him, and he's an insightful and daring director. Interesting. He also did Jane Eyre with the with Fassbender. Oh, did he? Yeah. Ah. So it would be also interesting to see what he kind of comes up with next, and whether it is something that is TV based or is it kind of Netflix along the line, because it seems to be his strengths are sort of. Uh, Netflixy or made for TV kind of areas. It sounded like quite a somber, serious discussion that we've been having about this film. It's a heavy hitter. Yeah. Um, it's it's not pleasant at times. Certainly, it's uncomfortable. Are there are there any others. particular scenes um, that because we are we are doing spoilers? Are there any particular scenes that stick out in your mind? Stick out in your craw as fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, it, many um but what my point uh I, I didn't want to dwell on that and what i was going to say is that whilst it is um a real gut punch of a film mm. it's truly astonishing and it it does have its its hope uh, it's sort of a, a string of hope throughout and as john said earlier um it's it's immensely rewarding so i just wanted to sort of finish on a positive about the film rather than than talking about it uh in a just the, so the, the heavier way. elements and the som more somber elements of the film. I think generally everyone is, is positive about it. Aren't yeah, they? I mean, it's it's kind of not a Friday night, get some beers in, get, you know, the snacks on, invite the glads around to, <laughs> you know, film night. Woo, it's, you know, something that you're probably going to end up watching on your own. Don't mm. watch it when you're feeling a little bit tender or a bit sad. But, yeah, I think, um, I think yeah, but as Ben said, I think it's quite a reflective film and it's quite a personal experience and you watch it and you kind of draw it. I think in a way, the small screen, you sit there and you, you watch it all and you kind of, you know, it really draws you in the whole way through. I think it's quite, I think it'd be quite, it'd be interesting to see if it's a very different experience of watching it in a cinema full of other people. It might, I don't know, more emotional or in fact, you, you know, you'd lose something else. I don't know. It's be, it'd be interesting. But it, yeah, it's great. Everyone, everyone should watch it. If you haven't seen it already, Go and watch it. I suppose we're going to talk about ratings. Yeah. Well, we're going to, well, this takes us into our first rate, the rating, the recommendability score um, out of five. So this is kind of how easy would it be for you to recommend and how many people would you recommend it to? Yeah, so um, we do is the top mark is five and the lowest mark is, is, a zero. is a zero. You can give a zero if you, if you feel the need to. So, so Ben, as, as you chose this film. Recommendability? Yeah. Five stars. Five stars. Would you recommend to everyone though? Would there be some kind of caveat to that? Well, not like anyone under the age of about 13. Would you recommend anyone who can, should legally watch this? <laughs> I, I tend to find recommending films to people when I know they won't like it uh, makes them not listen to my recommendation the next time I recommend a film. <laughs> so I would, uh, I'd only recommend this, to film, uh, this film to people uh, on the basis that I thought they were the sort of person who would um, uh, have a, a deeply moving experience, as John described, um, and, and be kind of tuned in to the subject of the subject matter of the film but to those people who would re be receptive to it five stars and john uh yeah i mean five five out of five in terms of uh recommendability it's, it's probably one of the best films i've watched in in recent times easily um to some extent and i think yeah as long as you're not going to be totally screamish about some graphic content and as long as you're not going to be totally uncomfortable with some of the pretty strong themes around you know child uh you know child soldiers and 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 things like that then um 
Yeah, you should definitely watch it. If nothing else, because it, it's violent, it's brutal, some horrible things. It's beautifully shot. The characters are so believable and, and you know, you kind of empathize with them all that it helps you watch it from start to finish. I think even the tough scenes mm. are harder to watch, uh, easier to watch because you, you want to find out what happens to them. It's compelling. Very. Five. Five? If you haven't seen this and you have the vaguest interest in cinema, then you need to see this really. Um, yeah, exactly what everyone has said. Uh, I haven't seen a film like this in a long, long time. Um, it's intelligent. It's incredible to watch. Mm. The cinematography is beautiful. The acting in it is amazing. There is no reason if you haven't seen this and it's still uh, obviously on Netflix, then you should watch it. I'm going to give it a five, but with a caveat that, yeah, it's not it's not going to be for everyone. And I can see, I can think of a lot of people who like films but kind of just would not deal well with it. And it's a hard hitter. So it's not something that, it's, yeah, you wouldn't just, it's not like a blockbuster you say, this is amazing, go and watch it, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's going to scare people, basically. It's It has a hopeful thread throughout, but it's um, it's not a pleasant watch. Repeat viewing score, Ben. Um, this is a film actually I would like to come back to um, and reflect on every I know every couple of years. I, I've watched it twice already. Mm. You know I found it very rewarding the second time around, and I think it is a film I, I will come back to. It wouldn't be something I'd want to watch. You would watch Re- it every week. Yeah, I wouldn't watch it frequently. <laughs> um, I wouldn't watch it frequently, but it is a film I could see myself uh, fifty years from now um, watching. So- so what kind of score would you give it? I think I'd have it as a four then on that basis that it's it's something I would want to watch again, but it's not something I would want to watch frequently. I don't know, two and a half? It's not really... It, I say two. I'll say two, I think. But not because it's not a great film. I think uh, partly because it's not the kind of Friday night popcorn beers mm. film. You don't think, oh, and I'll put on Beast of Nation again and watch that yeah. for a laugh with you know, with, with people <laughs> around here. You just don't do that. And I think... and. Uh, uh, it is good. I think. I think I would watch it again. Um, I haven't watched it again all, all the way through, and I think I certainly would. And I probably would watch it more than once again. But I, I know, how many more times after that? I don't know. And I think, unlike even some films such as *Saving Private Ryan*, which are pretty violent and brutal, that's much more of an action film. I think you know, there's the, you can watch the action scenes. It's much more of a straightforward war film, even pretty tense and pretty graphic in the way it's shot. But you might think, oh, that's 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 a really good scene. I want to kind of watch that again. I don't think there's any scenes in this where I think like that unless it's you know the imagination tv just for a bit of you know dip in five minutes on the whole there's no bits you kind of want to di- just dip into again because you thought they were really good yeah because it's it's horrific <laughs> so that, that has actually given me food for thought and i want to change my score to a three now yes <laughs> um, on, the basis, on the basis on the basis that i was considering um apocalypse now which is a heavy hitting hard film but it's a film i could watch again and again and again and again and i could get the guys around with beers and, and snacks and, and enjoy that film and it has got it really does have uh, something about it that, that makes it very enjoyable even though there's lots of heavy. funny bits in it and there's lots um, of quotable the, lines and there's lots of things going on in there this uh, this film is something i would want to rewatch but it is not something i would want to sit down and watch regularly in the same way i would other heavy hitting film. yeah i mean it's it's kind of a schindler's list isn't it so um once you've seen it you know I've, I've i've only seen it the once i probably would watch it again but not for a while whether i'd need to watch it again after that probably not it's 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 quite an experience to watch it um obviously we're talking about it after we've you know it's been a while since we've seen it but had we have just all come out of a, a screening of it and been together then this would have been a very very different podcast altogether. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to give it a two. I think I'm 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 on the two side as well. 
Have you? Has anyone here seen seen uh, the act of killing? Yeah, because that's a that's a properly awesome one of my favorite ever documentaries ever. And then they came out with a sequel, The Look of Silence, a couple of years ago, by the same guy, kind of talking about the same kind of story. And I I really want to watch it, but I just haven't got the balls yet to to get to see the, the sequel, which I haven't seen yet. I'm still kind of don't know if it's scared or reluctant or just like. So I, I kind of feel like this. I'm not sure when I'd watch it. There has to be a right kind of frame of mind and I don't know when it would be. I don't know what kind of series of events would have to transpire to make me want to watch it again. But I'm sure I will do. And But it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be in the next few months, certainly. Small screen store. We talked about this a bit before. I'd say it lends itself very, uh, well to the small screen experience. I'd, and I'd, I'd say it probably benefits from watching on your own in the dark. <laughs> in, yeah, it's not watch with mother. In one really? go. In an uninterrupted session, John. So yeah. what score? So what score are you giving it? Sorry, so give it a five. Give it a five. Yeah, same here. Five for all those reasons. I think it's uh, yeah, it's quite a personal experience actually. I think watching it and you do kind of absorb it and, and really want to pay attention to it all. So yeah, five. And Helen. I mean, I was going to give it a four just because I kind of would have also have liked to have seen it on the big screen because mm. there are some fantastic bits of cinematography particularly the bit where he's under the influence it reminded me a little bit of the thin red line with kind of that very dreamy quality to a war film so i kind of would have quite liked to have seen it on the big screen so i'm gonna give it a four but uh yeah it is made for netflix and it is an excellent example of what you can do with netflix i think i'm a, I'm a four as well did Kari Fukunaga also do the cinematography behind this as well? Yeah, he did, yeah. So, so he did the screenplay, the direction, and the cinematography, So I that's a, that's a triple whammy wow there, isn't there, in terms of what you can do if you put your mind to it. I would have liked to have seen this the first time in the cinema, uh, but it still works great on the small screen, so I'm, yeah, I'll give it a four. Overall engagement score, so this is like how much we invested in it. Were you distracted by anything whilst you're watching? Did you feel the need to put it down, pause it, or... Once you're locked in, that you have to watch it all the way through. For, for good reason, it is utterly compelling, completely immersive and engaging, and and you you would struggle to be distracted by anything. And you've got two kids. You've got three. I've kids. got three kids. Yeah, and they cry and puke and shit on me. Um, <laughs> I, I would still watch this film. John, <laughs> uh, make sure you find the time to watch it at all. Five, I think it is. It's five. It's uh, it's just in the characters and the storyline just draws you in. I think so much that it's just you sit down and watch it. Um, you know, I might have paused it to get up and go to the loo. I don't know, um, but other than that, yeah, it's uh, you want to you want to see what happens next. You want to, you know, finish the journey. It's not, it's not something you dip in and out of. I think so. Uh, yeah, five. Yeah, five completely. The, you, there's just so much going on that you know you're completely absorbed in it. You know, there's no concept of time. It's just that you're so involved in what happens. Completely had my attention from start to finish. Yeah, and for a long time afterwards as well. Yeah, I think I'm a five as well. There's, there's a proper phones off airplane mode and don't even think about it once it's on. So that gives us a score of 4.2 overall, which is which is high, which is good. Yep, it's a good one. Do you think that's a fair score? Yeah, I think I think yeah. the, think the, the repeat viewing things yeah, I think brings it down for going for against the, it, but, but it's, you know, but it's not uh, it's not a blockbuster. No. So you know, I it stays with you, and I think Helen hit on a really good point there that it's not just the experience of the film in the in the moment but afterwards. For, for days and weeks afterwards, you will be dwelling on this film in your yeah. mind. I've had I've had flashbacks recently of a couple of scenes where I just kind of think, ah, oh, that's a knife that's in my head. Guys, if you haven't watched this film, um, there's a bit with a with a guy with machetes in people's heads, and it's 
possibly the worst thing I've seen on television for a long time. But it's also really beautiful as well. So, uh, <laughs> so take away those two thoughts with you. Try and work those ones out, yeah. If you haven't, go and see it now on Netflix. Do it now, immediately, right now. I agree. So to sum up, who are you guys and where can we find you? I'm Ben. I run Top Film Tip, which is a um, account on Twitter. John Lunny, uh, I'm on Twitter, at John Lunny, uh, shockingly. Uh, and you can also find me on uh, Mixcloud and Future Music FM. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Bye. So, wow, guys, what did you reckon of Beast of Donation? Thank you very much to Top Film Tip and Future Music in the shape of Ben and John. Of course, guys, big thanks to GL Productions who edits our podcast for us. Uh, Mighty people for the tunes you can hear right now. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, share it with your friends. And if you want some banter with us, come and find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and visit our website for all the listings and all the news about what we're doing online at FlixWatcher.tv. 